Your vote can end homelessness and housing need. How? Visit votehousing.ca and pledge to vote housing. Tell political parties and candidates running for election that you want a Canada where housing need and homelessness are a thing of the past. Join Vote Housing, a national nonpartisan campaign to end homelessness and make housing safe and affordable in Canada. Visit votehousing.ca for more because this election is about housing. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to On The Way Home's Special Election 44 series. Join co-host Stefania Secha from the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness and Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door as they interview various experts about the critical election issues related to Canada's housing and homelessness crises. Be informed when you head to the polls. Now enjoy this special election episode of On The Way Home. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door, one of your hosts. And as always, I am joined by the fabulous Stefania from the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. Steph, how are you? I'm good. I'm really excited. Um, the election is right around the corner. This is uh, the final episode of our special election series that we wrapped up so quickly and had, have had so many amazing guests. And I feel like we're finishing really strong today. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm excited. I mean, uh, who knew that this election would be so close as well, right? Like it's a very tight election. Everyone's voice matters. Uh, housing matters, of course. Uh, in this, and it's become one of the top um, pieces that they're they're talking about, right? Uh, in this election, and when we started, it wasn't quite so, but I believe it's due to the vote housing campaign and many others, some of which that are on this call that that pushed that to the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been a very short election. I think it's felt particularly short given the time of year it's hit and the fact that it's I don't know a pandemic still. Um, but I think it's it's interesting because there's still been so many news cycles, but we've really seen housing continue to kind of be not so much the underdog issue, but becoming a really issue on the forefront. So, yeah, um, perhaps we can continue that conversation this week. Um, if you don't mind introducing our amazing guests. Absolutely, absolutely. As always, we have great guests today. And we have three guests today. So one by one, I am going to introduce them. So we have Samantha, who is a member of ACORN, and that is the Association of Community Organization for Reform Now. It's a grassroots organization of low to moderate income people working for change at the municipal, provincial, and federal levels. Welcome, Samantha. We have Dania, who is a staff lawyer with the Advocacy Center for Tenants Ontario, ACTO, which works for advancement of human rights and justice in housing for low-income Ontarians through legal advice and representation, law reform, community organization, organizing, sorry, training and education. And we have Isa, who is a caseworker and housing rights educator at the Center for Equality Rights and Accommodation, Sarah. She is a lawyer, called the Ontario Bar in 2015, Prior to joining Sarah, she worked as a sole practitioner, establishing a thriving legal practice in the East End of Toronto, which is actually where I live. So awesome to have all of you on. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you for thank having us. It's great to be on. So thank you uh, so much for taking the time today to join us for this special election series. Uh, I think it's an understatement to say that the pandemic has underscored how tenuous the situation it is to be a renter. I'm hoping that each of you could share either how this pandemic has impacted you as a renter or the clients you serve at your organization. So we'll start with Samantha, then we'll go to Dania, and then Faiza, you'll bring us home. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Samantha from ACORN. Uh, most of our members are low to moderate income people uh, who have been disproportionately dis dis oh, <laughs> have been impacted greatly by the pandemic. Pardon me. Um, and since the pandemic, we've been calling on the federal government uh, to, to help retain uh, renters' homes and, and, and stuff like that. There's a lot of tenants falling through the cracks, living paycheck to paycheck. Housing is the strongest public health measure during a pandemic, and, you know, there, there isn't much. Yeah, no, I appreciate those uh, thoughts, and I totally agree with you, Samantha. Um, at ACTO, we've been working on this housing issue for, you know, for a very long time. And one thing we need to remember, and this comes up in our discussions with the media and, the politi and politicians, is that the pandemic didn't cause this housing crisis. That it's been, you know, decades, you know, probably since the late 80s, short-sighted political decisions have caused uh, the housing crisis. No, uh, even before the pandemic was that 40% of renters in Canada pay unaffordable rent. And that number is higher for Ontario renters, which is 50% of those renters paying unaffordable rent. So when the economic, in, you know, the economic instability from the uh, pandemic, uh, you know, took hold, uh, tenants did not have savings. They did not have a way to weather that storm. And as a result, we have over 250,000 Canadian households who have fallen into arrears. The other thing we saw during this pandemic in, in terms of the clients we serve and, and what they were going through is that many of them are living in overcrowded, inadequate or poorly and or poorly maintained housing, which meant that tenants were, tenants who are living in very dense, you know, housing, uh, dense housing, dense communities, also doing precarious work, were also the ones that experienced the highest rates of COVID infection. So Samantha's absolutely right when she says that housing is the number one public health uh, measure because, you know, we were told to stay home. Many people didn't have a home to stay home in and many people who forced in those precarious workplaces also brought, uh, you know, COVID uh, back to a very precarious housing situation. The other thing that we haven't talked about a lot um, that we saw and something that's causing us quite a lot of alarm at ACTO is that the pandemic was used by Ontario to push through digital hearings permanently at the landlord and tenant board. So what does this mean? It means that the most low income and most marginalized tenants are, their access to justice has been severely limited through this process. And instead of trying to preserve housing, Ontario on top of this chaos has created a much more efficient eviction machine. So now renters are facing, you know, uh, barriers to get, um, act, you know, to to appear at their hearing. They there's a digital divide. They can't even log on to their hearing. Once they're there, they don't have access to our tenant duty council services or red bank services that normally would be present at the landlord and tenant board. And as a result, we're seeing people, you know, we're seeing an increase in people who are evicted, who are not even at the hearing or might not even know they had a hearing. 
So that's just sort of some of the, the issues we've been seeing at ACTO. Thank you so much, Dania, um, for stating those very important points. Um, I am in agreement and I want to echo your thoughts that the COVID-19 pandemic um, exposed and amplified these economic and social inequalities uh, which already existed. Canada has been in the midst of a deepening housing crisis for years. The context was already bleak when the pandemic happened. And when several provinces went into lockdown in March of last year, thousands of renters who lost their job or income were suddenly struggling to pay rent and vulnerable to eviction as a result. We know that as evictions moratoriums have lifted, advocates in Ontario, such as our, our, our that ACTO, like Dania, have raised the alarm over serious human rights and justice issues at the Landlord and Tenant Board. Many, many eviction hearings have been rushed through. The procedural issues with the LTB have resulted in many people losing their homes in a matter of minutes at these virtual hearings. At CIRA, we provide eviction prevention services to low-income tenants. I personally am a caseworker and am on the front lines of this on our intake line every day. It is really alarming to see the rising level of housing precarity with the clients we serve. And I want to stress as well that this is a Canada-wide issue. As Dania said, 40% of renters across the country are paying more than they can afford. Another stat, in addition to what she mentioned, which is that 250,000 Canadians have fallen into arrears, over 235,000 Canadians experience, experience homelessness in a given year. The COVID-19 pandemic has introduced a significant amount of precarity for renters and low-income tenants. It has made an already bleak housing crisis worse, and I want to highlight just how truly urgent the situation has become. Absolutely, and I, I honestly think that thanks to the work of your three organizations at CIRA, ACTO, uh, and ACORN, I think renters' rights uh, throughout the pandemic have become a forefront issue, you know, growing attention and awareness to the eviction moratoriums, um, being able to push those deadlines as much as you could was thanks to a lot of the advocacy and, and work that you folks have done. And I think I, now that we're in an election, you know, renters' rights have definitely come up this election in a way that, I don't know, I haven't really seen before. Um, as we saw housing become one of the defining issues, you know, we often hear homelessness, um, owning owning a home, but renter rights tend to not really come up, but we've seen it in, in a few platforms. So, Samantha, I'd like to, I'd like to start with you and the work you do with ACORN. Can you talk about the work ACORN has done during the election, especially uh, tell us a little bit about its special housing platform? Okay, um, our special platform is, uh, is two main keys. Um, the first would be protecting existing affordable housing. That's uh, that would mean the federal funds being used to protect uh, instead of destroy affordable housing through the gentrification of neighborhoods. Uh, and there's also the REITs, the, the real estate investment trusts uh, and major corporations like Capri, Starlight, um, Sterling Caramar and stuff like that. They're buying up all the affordable housing and, uh, and raising the rents, literally pushing the tenants out of their homes. I experienced this myself through, uh, through these substandard living uh, conditions. I mean, it's and it's truly unbelievable what these corporations are are getting away with. 
Um, you know, if it wasn't for these sweetheart deals of the REITs and whatnot, you know, um, affordable housing could be could be put first to the the nonprofit or the co-ops. Um, they they need that opportunity to have first refusal. Um, the CMHS or CMH. HC, the housing, uh, the Federal Housing Agency, they must put deeply affordable preservation conditions and um, create a national nonprofit strategy for funding of nonprofits and co-ops. And, and again, giving them that first refusal of these of these properties because these big corporations are just gobbling them up like a Pac-Man. Um, you know, and then there's the rent control. Uh, this isn't usually a federal uh, jurisdiction, but they do have the power to to protect the affordable housing, and they're choosing not to. Um, you know, uh, our members are, are workers, low-income people, uh, $10,000 to $30,000 on average. Um, the government needs to keep these affordable housing affordable. And I don't just mean that 20% of, of whose paycheck, because it certainly isn't 20% of my paycheck. Uh, you know, they, they need to step up. This affordable housing should be not just for 10 or 21 years. It, it should have a true extension, like 50 or, or you know, even longer, possibly. Uh, and our, our national, uh, sorry. No, I think I covered it. Oh, the, they need to build new and, and deeply affordable core housing uh, and, and not the substandard stuff that we're living in now. Um, you know, take a take a property, knock it down and, and build, you know, modulely or, you know, what, what's affordable. But there needs to be the funds for the nonprofits to to actually be able to go in and do things. They don't have the uh, all the properties behind them as collateral and, and such, but, you know, they should be given that first refusal, we believe. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Well said, well said. Uh, Samantha, uh, Faiza, and Dania, I'd like to ask a similar question to the two of you. Uh, what have your organizations been working on to center renter issues during the election? We'll start with Faiza and then go to Dania. Tanya, if you don't mind, could I speak to our joint work recently? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so Sierra and ACTO have worked together to present a summary of eight housing policy areas within each national that are priorities for our organizations. Our hope is that people can read the summary and be better informed when they head to the polls. The eight priorities are whether each party will remain committed to the right to housing, what their plan is to tackle the urgent housing needs of indigenous communities, how they plan to increase the supply of housing, especially affordable housing, what are the ways they plan to curb the growing financialization of housing across the country that's treating housing as a wealth generating investment for the few rather than a home for all, 
in what ways will they preserve the affordable housing we currently have, especially in ensuring that our social housing stock is repaired, how they will end homelessness, what financial supports they are providing to renters to stay in their homes, and how will they support home ownership, especially for ordinary, ordinary families priced out of the market. This is a really great resource that we've put together with ACTO, as I said. Uh, you can visit our website's blog at www.equalityrights.org and read the details there. Yeah, thanks for the summary, Faiza. Uh, the, 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 the blog itself is ACTO.ca, so you can access it from our website as well. Um, I just, you know, just building on that as well, you know, on, on the election work, um, we've also been putting out blogs uh, on, on the ACTO's uh, website that's also summarizing, you know, important information for voters to make sure that they can go to the polls informed uh, and making sure that we are, you know, doing that outreach on social media to make sure that, uh, you know, those who want to vote around, you know, tenant rights um, have the information at their disposal. Uh, you know, to make those key decisions at the ballot box and making sure that we digest the information, you know, from the platforms in a, in a way that um, is, you know, that highlights those key priorities for Ontario renters, uh, but make sure in a way that they can easily digest it as well. The other thing we've also done at ACTO is that we've also developed a position paper, which is also available on our website. And in that paper, we've also highlighted uh, you know, four key priority priority areas that we'd like to see the federal government uh, adopt. Um, and while this may be, you know, something we have for the election, but this is also setting the tone for the work that comes after the election, because as we all know, uh, the election work, you know, the election is a very short period of time. It tends to be very media soundbite focused, but the real work happens after the election. So many of the issues, I think Samantha actually covered off in, in, in talking about the ACORN priorities, but I, I'll just summarize them really quickly. Um, we want to prior, we are also asking the federal government to prioritize the creation of new affordable rental units. We are looking at a target of 10,000 units annually. Uh, and this includes working with the nonprofit sector in creating these new units. We also need to retain our current existing affordable housing rental stock. Uh, since 2006, we've seen a 26% decline in units that cost around the $1,000 mark, uh, monthly rent mark. Uh, and instead, we've seen a skyrocketing. I probably, I think, you know, over 80% increase in units that cost 1,500 and above. So. The rental stock that's being built is is more luxury rental as opposed to affordable rental um, and those luxury rentals are replacing those affordable rentals um, so we need to repair our current existing rental stock and then protecting them from being turned into luxury rental stock we also need to curb the financialization of housing which samantha explained in great detail and that could be used, you know, that's using different tools, uh, whether they be regulatory or tax uh, tax tools that the federal government has at their disposal. Right now, uh, the largest financial the, uh, landlords, the 25 largest financial rental uh, uh, financial rental landlords, own over 20% of Canada's purpose-built housing rental housing stock. So, you know. They are they're trying to maximize profits. And as they do that, we, you know, this is why we're losing affordable units. 
And the fourth prong of our priority, uh, you know, our position paper is, you know, creating a robust Indigenous housing uh, strategy. And I'm not sure if your podcasts have addressed Indigenous housing um, issues uh, in one of your previous episodes, but as most people know, Indigenous uh, people in Canada tend to be are still are still overly represented in the whole homeless population, and we we don't have um, you know uh, an indigenous housing strategy. We're still waiting on that, and you know there are specific measures we want to see the government, like the federal government, to put forward uh, to make sure that we address this uh, long-standing issue uh, amongst the housing community. Uh, and just one thing, I just want to. On, on this particular point is in terms of getting housing on the agenda, the, I want to make sure that we recognize the amount of work that ACORN and other uh, tenant associations, tenant organizers, tenants themselves, whether they be organized or not, you know, formally organized did to put that, put housing on the, uh, on the agenda for politicians. And it, especially during the pandemic, we have seen mobilization from tenant communities like we've never seen before. And it, they, have, they have set the agenda and they have made this uh, a municipal, provincial and federal issue, you know, since, the, since day one of that pandemic. And it's that work that has allowed, you know, that has led, you know, for this tenant rights, renter protections to be an election issue as we, you know, we are seeing it appear today in, in these platforms. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think, again, we're seeing this starting to um, appear in, in party platforms, uh, many, not just one, like several party platforms. And I think that's, again, off the work, incredible amount of work that organizations like yours, Actosira, Acorn, have done. Um, and, you know, and, and circling back to the, the platforms, you know, as far as what, because I know you folks are paying attention, um, when, when you saw the platforms come out recently, do the promises made by some of the parties around protecting renters, do they go far enough? And, and how could how could they be better? And Dania, let's let's bring it back to you. Uh, well, as we mentioned, or you know, as I mentioned, sort of at the top of the conversation, you know, we're we're looking at a housing crisis that's been created from decades worth of bad um, government decision making around housing, and and it was a conscious decision to, you know, pull out of housing. Um, so yes, we're happy to see you know you know more discussion in the platforms appear this you know this go round, but they don't go far enough. Um, they you know because we we are so far behind and we are looking at you know you know a, a much greater need a much greater gap that we have to overcome. The issue right now that you know what we've seen at least you know you know, the overview, you know, of the of the platforms when we've done our, our digest is that the platforms still tend to focus on housing ownership, which is an important key, key the key part of the housing crisis, you know, uh, you know, it, it's a factor in the housing crisis. So of course, we're going to talk about home ownership. But we still don't see that robust discussion that uh, real focus around a deeply affordable rental housing. Uh, we don't even see a, really a definition of what, what we're talking about when we speak about affordable housing. Uh, are, you know, are we talking about percentage of market rent or are we talking about income? And you know, so what is affordable? And so a lot of times when we talk about affordable housing, it actually still isn't affordable housing depending on how you measure affordability. Um, 
so again, the focus, most of the focus, most of the platforms of the party still tends to focus on home ownership for uh, purpose-built rentals. So, you know, it doesn't go far enough. We need to see more. We need to, we need the, the parties to really see this as a housing crisis, to, which is connected to other crises. It's also connect, you know, it's connected to the health, um, education, uh, employment, the economy, and really climate, see climate absolutely, um, and so on. And we shouldn't really be dealing with these issues as silos. They're really all, you know, interconnected. And again, what we would like to see more, again, are the four priority areas that I mentioned uh, in our in our area: the creation of new units, maintaining of the existing units, fi addressing financialization, and addressing indigenous housing uh, issues. Yeah, Samantha, same question. Um, I think Dania covered a lot of it. I, I couldn't agree more on, you know, this this housing crisis. It it fingers out into so many different pies. That, like she said, uh, you did, they, they really need to do better. And I mean, they need to not just make campaign promises. They need to actually through and do it. You know, uh, it's great that they whisper sweet nothings, but I, I want to see action. I love that. Absolutely. It's, it really is about not just September 20th, but September 21st and on, right? And, and Faiza, I'd love to, love to hear your thoughts on this too. Well, Stefania, I echo both Samantha and Dania's thoughts. Um, as Dania said, elections are short term. There are a lot of campaign promises going around, as always. Uh, but like Dania mentioned, we know the real work starts after the election. And whoever is elected needs to prioritize the needs of those most affected by the housing crisis. In Sarah's opinion, the best way to move forward is that we stay committed to the right to housing. And the right to housing, while it may be conceptual to some, really is a guiding principle that the future government, whoever is elected, needs to commit to. The right to housing comes to us from international law. It's recognized in some of the most important international human rights agreements, and it requires all states who have agreed to, and Canada has agreed to, is to ensure that all people have adequate housing that is affordable, accessible, adequate, and more. This means focusing on improving housing outcomes for those in greatest need. What is important to renters in greatest need right now? It's staying in their homes. Are there going to be financial supports to renters who have been struggling to pay rent so that they stay in their home? The only party that has explicitly mentioned a rental arrears assistance program for tenants at risk of eviction is the Green Party. But we hope that each party will take Canada's commitment to the right to housing seriously to work towards long-term solutions. I think I love the right to housing piece, Fies. I mean, really, it's about accountability. We talk about promises made, promises broken. If we're going to hold them accountable, the right to housing is certainly a way of doing that. Now, listen, we know that according to a recent Nanos poll, that 5 million people across Canada were worried about making rent on September 1st. That's about 15% of the population. This at the same time that candidates are out campaigning for our votes. And some of these candidates are going to become our next MPs. So if these... MPs were listening right now, what would you like to say to them about actually making a difference to protect renters and fixing the housing crisis? Samantha, we'll start with you and go to FISA and end with Dania. 
I would like to say that if you want to make a real difference, target the dollars to the people that need it the most. Right now, billions of dollars are going uh, are going to build more unaffordable rentals, and we need money to buy housing, not luxury rentals. Well, at CIRA, uh, again, what we want to say is we want to stress the importance of the right to housing. We say to MPs all the time that governments absolutely need to adopt the right to housing and commit to it, particularly through legislation, to ensure that they prioritize their international human rights obligations. The right to housing guides governments to commit to long-term solutions that not only will solve this housing crisis, but will prevent a crisis for future generations. Band-Aid solutions, which are rooted in short-term government policies that are based on election cycles are no longer acceptable. The status quo needs to change. Too many people are falling through the cracks. And that's what I want to stress today is the right to housing. Yeah, to build on that, what I would say to any decision maker or policy maker or elected official who's working on this issue is to reiterate housing is a human right. It is the starting point for a person's well-being. It is the starting point for a person's dignity. And it is the basis of a, you know, for community. And when, when, housing, is, when housing is insecure, it affects all facets of a, of a person's life, whether it be the employment, health, education, and the community itself, and even the well-being of, of the economy, which we tend to spoke, speak about a lot more than we do about human well-being. And it is unlike any other um, investment or commodity, it is a necessity, which means that it should not be traded um, or, or commodified with a complete disregard for those who actually rely on it for survival. We need to you know, make sure that everyone who needs a home has a home. We need to make sure that the existing housing we have is kept in you know, good, good state of repair, that it's adequate, it meets the needs of the people and that community, and that we have a supply of affordable renting housing options to keep up with the needs of Canadians. So if, if they outgrow one housing or if it doesn't meet the need, their needs currently, that they could be able to move to a, a new house or a new meets their current needs. And this needs to be done with the, with the work of all levels of government as well as working in cooperation with the nonprofit housing sector, as well as housing and tenant advocates who are on the grant, you know, on the front lines, who are most directly impacted by government decision makers. And, you know, they need to be a part uh, of, of this process and setting out the new path or the, you know, the future path after September 21st of how we're going to deal with Canada's housing crisis. Absolutely. And um, all of you, again, do incredible work. We were so excited to get you folks on today's show. Um, so where can people go to find out more information about the work that you're doing? Uh, Faiza, let's start with you and go to Dania and Samantha. Sure. Uh, I'll start with our website again. It's www.equalityrights.org. And if you're on Twitter, you can also find us at CIRA, that's C-E-R-A Ontario, CIRA Ontario. We've been tweeting during the leaders' debates, and you can follow our account or are using the hashtag right to housing. And if you're a tenant who needs legal information, you can always call us at 416-944-0087. 
where one of our caseworkers will help you. It might even be me. Our intake line is open from 9.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday to Friday. Yes, you can find uh, ACTO at, uh, on our website, uh, acto.ca. So that's A-C-T-O dot C-A. You can also find us on Twitter at uh, ha uh, handle at Tenant Advocacy. Uh, and if there's any tenants who are listening out there or any service providers listening out there, if you are facing an eviction hearing, please go to your uh, local community legal clinic for assistance. Uh, that the website for that is leo.on.ca. Um, you know, connect with your local clinic and get some uh, advice before your hearing. And on the day of your hearing, uh, you can also ask to speak with Tenant Duty Council, uh, which is also run by the run by ACTO. The program's run by ACTO, and there's lawyers there who can give you some free advice, free legal advice before your hearing, uh, to make sure you know your rights before you go to your hearing. Uh, and at ACORN, you can find us at www.acorncanada.org. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Um, you know, we'd love to see you out at one of our rallies or our protests and, uh, you know, help, help the community. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, all wonderful resources. Go to all these web pages. Check out all these organizations on social media. You'll feel so much better when you do. You'll feel educated and so much more aware. The resources were out there and we had wonderful guests today. Thank you to all of you for joining us on the show today. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Thank you so much. Great to be on. Well, Steph, we are at the end, I believe, of this mm -hmm. election series. And what an incredible run it's been. I mean, we ended so well with these three incredible and brilliant women uh, doing uh, impactful work uh, in their communities and across the nation. Absolutely. And I think it, it's, you know, renter rights and the situation that tenants are going under. I think at some point in our lives, for most of us, have been renters, have been tenants, have been in precarious situations. And, and it's really, it's really a very nervous situation to be in. And I think, you know, um, when I was covering as a reporter, uh, working in Burnaby it was my first time connecting with Acorn in that chapter. And, you know, they were coming out to, to talk to council about all of the redevelopment going on in uh, South Burnaby in the metro town area. Uh, I know I'm getting really specific to where I live. Sorry for my Ontario friends. But, you know, there was there was huge redevelopment happening. And there was a ton of like four story walk ups, very affordable folks that have lived there for 20, 30 years. You know, these are places where people have grown up and just the rezoning was flying by for new giant condominium buildings that are as we know way more unaffordable um and i think you know this has been going on for a long time and hopefully what the pandemic's done is really highlighted those issues added that fuel to the work advocates are doing um you know when housing is a, is a health measure so yeah i just wanted to say thank you to our folks again that was amazing and also you know this is our last day, as Michael mentioned, go out and vote on September 20th. If you haven't sent in a mail-in ballot or done advanced voting, you know, now is the time. Get it in there. Get your vote in. Um, send the message to our federal government of who you think should run this country, given the provinces. And, and I love the sweet nothings. Love that. Um, you know, and then and then hopefully we all show up after September 20th and make sure to hold their feet to the fire. Sorry for the long ramble. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, 
it's a we said this at the beginning it's a tight election and mm -hmm. and, and you know your voice matters every voice matters um, listen to this series. It will help inform that decision. Uh, it will give you resources to look at uh, around your decision that you're going to make. Uh, and we know housing matters too. It, it's, it's so interesting, I think, across the country. The reality is we're going to have more and more renters. Home ownership is going to be a mm -hmm. pipe dream. And we got to stop focusing so much. We're fixated as Canadians on home ownership. If you look you know, uh, across the pond, um, you know, to our Euro European friends, home ownership really isn't a big deal, right? That's for the ultra rich. And we have to start thinking that way. But if we are going to see more and more renters, we have to have that right to house. We have to have affordable rents. We have to have new builds uh, that are purpose-built, deeply affordable rentals, right? That whole definition of 80% of market rent is still very much unaffordable for so many. And that mm -hmm. has to happen. Let's push our politicians on this. And the way you can do that is, as you said, Steph, go out and vote, make a difference. Absolutely. Well, thank you to everyone for listening to this series and we'll see you next week post-election. We'll see you then. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.